Welcome back to Turf Show Times. This is Last Minute Thoughts, where every week before the Rams play their game, we come here on Turf Show Times and talk about our last minute thoughts. So hit subscribe on Turf Show Times. If you're listening to this on the website, consider going to, you know, a podcast app. I don't know how they've never really made it clear and and sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for streamlined all of the opportunities for every podcast. We got a million podcasts and they're all, you know, why can't there just be a thing like go to podcast.com and subscribe to turf show times, but go to your podcast app, wherever that is, find turf show times. It's gotta be just one. If there's a second one, we get to sue them. So that's exciting. And I'll cover that lawsuit if it ever happens and then hit subscribe so that you can get last minute thoughts and the instant reaction show or a mid-season, excuse me, mid-week that could be in the middle of the season, preview, you know, all these kinds of things happening here. And I hear podcasts are very popular. So do it, you know, like that will help us out here and subscribe to that. And we're just going to jump right in. Rams, Texans, preseason week two on Friday. This is Thursday as we record this. Maybe you're listening to it on Friday. And these are the last minute thoughts as the Rams head into their second preseason game. And there's plenty of things to think about. I'm with JB Scott. He's really the host of last minute thoughts, but today we're doing it together. And we're going to say what our last minute thoughts are in the beginning of the episode. So JB last minute thought, what are you thinking about here as we head into Friday? Yeah, we're going to see our first look at John Wolford since the wild card round in the 2020 season. It's been almost two years since we got to, we've seen him in live action. So Really looking forward to that. And I know a lot of people are maybe reading into Coach McVeigh's intentions on why he feels compelled to maybe play Wolford at this point after Bryce Perkins' stellar performance a week ago. So if we remember last preseason, Wolford sat out, and it's McVeigh's, you know, MO to rest the rest key contributors during the preseason. But Wolford was also he had an appendix issue. He had and he had an appendectomy. Um, maybe that was maybe a motivation for resting him last year and he wasn't truly available for the playoffs or didn't make sense to play him. Uh, This year he's healthy, and we're going to see him. Maybe there's a competition for the number two quarterback spot. Uh, What are your thoughts, Ken? Do you think think Bryce Perkins could unseat John Wolford for number two? I guess, you know, and mostly based on the fact that John Wolford, he's not a starter, you know. So at the end of the day, there are two, maybe three kinds of backup quarterbacks. You've got the – young gun you know the player who you actually believe could become a starter one day not you know you've got different variations and levels of that obviously this year there aren't that many good examples but you could look at Kenny Pickett with the Steelers as being the highest drafted quarterback this year maybe even a guy who's going to challenge to start in week one as he's just been elevated to the backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've said he's number two behind Trubisky, and we know Trubisky is not going to be able to start for very long before getting benched. So that is one type of backup quarterback. And we know that the Rams, for the most part, aren't going to have that guy. They have Matthew Stafford, and they have Stafford locked up for you know another four years after this one. So there's just no reason to go out and get that guy. Although it is a question that crossed my mind today in terms of whether or not Sean McVay, you know, there's so much talk about whether he'll retire early. How much longer is he going to be with the Rams? Maybe he'll go to a different team. There's all sorts of rumors about Sean McVay that are going to persist, but does he ever want to have his own quarterback? You know, because Matthew Stafford was a well-established player by the time he came to McVay and McVay didn't really get approved that he can develop a quarterback into a great quarterback. He's never gotten to do that. And, you know, with Jared Goff, he didn't draft Jared Goff. He didn't choose Jared Goff. It was pretty clear that he didn't choose Jared Goff. He did heighten everything that Jared Goff is capable of doing and made him look the best that Jared Goff will ever look. But in terms of Sean McVay ever getting that, first round quarterback, or even like a second or third round quarterback to show, Hey, this is something that I can do. And I do think that's an important quality for a coach to have when we're in that hall of fame conversation. You know, it's not something that's necessarily talked about that much, but quarterback is the position that we're most watching. It is the most revered position in the sport and maybe in all of American sports. And so if you're Sean McVay, 
and it's sort of like that Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan thing. Do you want some more credit if you go out like even like Bill Belichick, you know, doing it with a sixth round pick and Tom Brady or, you know, even with, you know, Mac Jones kind of showing again, like he can take a quarterback prospect like Mac Jones and go to the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see if that's something that Matthew Stafford, excuse me, Sean McVay ever wants to do. Um, and then you've got backup quarterbacks who are just steady Yetis. You don't want them to start, but they're very dependable veterans, guys like Chase Daniel, guys like, I don't know, Matt Castle or something like that later in his career. I don't know why that was the first guy that came to mind. But, uh, you know, then you've got those guys. Uh, and I think like in the rookie class this year, you've got Desmond Ritter, someone like that in Atlanta who could take over someday, but might just be sort of a high floor guy that, you know, does okay and then you've got guys like john wolford who he's not really a prospect and he's also not really a veteran but i don't know like with bryce perkins i don't necessarily see him as a starting has a, having a starting future either what do you like what do you think about sean mcveigh though maybe ever getting do you think he should ever have that opportunity to start with his own fresh uh, like new quarterback and, and develop together. Yeah. And I really don't know what kind of quarterback he would pick. Maybe he's, you know, back in 2020, whenever Wolford was competing with Jared Goff, when he was dealing with that thumb injury, maybe pushing him a bit as a starter, you know, Sean McVay was really mesmerized with that, with his mobility and the ability to make plays out of nothing. Right. And Bryce Perkins is an extreme of that. And if he came in for at least in the short term during the regular season, maybe in replacement of Stafford, it wouldn't be the same offense. And maybe in some ways, Sean McVay would like to strike a balance between the two of the traditional drop back, uh, you know, play action scheme that we've seen with Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, and John Wolford would run us the same version of that. Or maybe, you know, he looks at someone like Kyle Shanahan with Trey Lance and he wants to get his own taste and he wants to put his own spin on it. And, you know, that's really the future of the NFL. And that's where we're headed with these playmaking quarterbacks, these athletic quarterbacks. Um, it'd be really exciting to see Sean McVay maybe get a young quarterback in that mold and see what, you know, how he could develop into the future. So it'd be really interesting. Yeah, it would be something that I think you would just wonder if that's something that he wants to do, you know, and I, I don't, uh, I, I, I imagine I mean, all of a sudden it's kind of, I, now I'm just losing a little bit of confidence. I imagine that the quarterback he was coordinator for, I'm, I'm thinking it was Kirk cousins, right. And when he was with uh, Washington and thinking about like he didn't even really get to, you know, see the full development of uh, a Kirk Cousins um, who had his best years really in Minnesota. And it's kind of like then when the Rams get Matthew Stafford, like a lot of that credit goes to Matthew Stafford and to Sean McVay. Nobody is really light on praise for either. So it's kind of interesting to think about that separation, especially because, you know, so much of the NFL is legacy and we see now like modern legacy. It's you, you have to keep on one upping the legends, I guess, that came before you. And you see like Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl with the Bucks was in a way maybe more impactful than winning his last three Super Bowls with the Patriots because it's set, it's proving, hey, I can do this on my own. And I think you're seeing more quarterbacks go, oh, I want to win Super Bowls for multiple teams. Or like Von Miller, I want to win the Super Bowl for three different teams. Uh, and with Bill Belichick, people are saying, oh, can he win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady? Can uh, a head coach go out and win Super Bowls for multiple different teams? Is Sean McVay going to do a Super Bowl for multiple different teams? You know, there are those sort of like legacies and the Rams have a bunch of legacy, you know, guys that'll be in the hall of fame, relatively speaking, at least McVay, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> I was going to say Stafford, but I'll wait on him, Aaron Donald. Um, and obviously some guys who have built some really good cases in terms of individual seasons and, and times in their career, like Cooper cup and Jalen Ramsey. Um, and then you've got Matthew Stafford. Uh, and so and that's interesting too, JB, going into this season is the the what's at stake for the Rams as it is with any team that wins the Super Bowl, which is if you've got now the chance to repeat, to do something that it hasn't been done in such a long time. Um, and I don't know, how do, you, how do you feel? Because I feel like that's something that I keep kind of like overlooking is that the Rams are 
the defending champions, it's like it still somehow doesn't feel like quite real yet. Maybe it'll happen once the season starts and people keep going like, oh, the Rams, here comes the defending champions. Here comes the defending champions. How do you feel about the uh, that run it back mentality? Is that something that you think is present for everybody like on the Rams and other teams? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're the hunted now, right? Because you have the Super Bowl ring and you, you reach the top of the mountain. Now everyone wants a piece of that also. And there's a lot of factors outside of a team's control that goes into winning the Super Bowl. And you think about the fumbles in the divisional round game against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some of them didn't bounce your way, but it, you know, it allowed the Buccaneers to get back into that game. And you had the goat on the other side, Tom Brady, who, you know, that was almost his second greatest career comeback aside from the 28 to three Super Bowl victory over the Falcons. Right. And then in the NFC championship game, you have Jaquizki Tart drop that interception late in the game that might have sealed the deal for the 49ers. So uh, there's just it, injuries also factor into that. And there's just things outside your control that that's what makes it so difficult. And that's why a team hasn't repeated since, you know, what is it, the early 2000s, 2005, maybe. Uh, but maybe if you look back in, high, in in recent history, the Rams have as good a chance as any. You know, they have Aaron Donald. He's one of the greatest defensive you know players of our generation. Matthew Stafford, he's capable of those high-end performances. He might also be the reason why you lose a playoff game with, you know, turnovers and uh, mistakes that we've seen him make, you know, even the times last season. He's, you know, he's a little bit chaotic. He's a little up and down. But, you know, he turned on for the playoffs and he caught steam, and that's a big reason why you won the Super Bowl. So you could also be on the other side of it this year. There's really no telling, and uh, this is why it's so hard to win the Super Bowl and why people can't even do it once, let alone twice in a row. Yeah. And uh, speaking of not winning it once, not to trash talk, uh, but ultimately, uh, who cares if I trash talk the Houston Texans just because no Houston Texans fans ever going to hear this in a million years. And what are you going to disagree with this uh, Friday? The Rams play the Houston Texans, the Rams defending Super Bowl champions. The Texans are just mired in a slump that. It's a, it's a miracle. It's it's quite impressive that they haven't had the worst record for the last couple of years. All the things that they've gone through, as much as they've torn that roster down and torn it apart, and that's the roster that the Rams will be facing on Friday. Not just the the starters, but you know the depth players for guys. I mean, I'm imagining now that uh, you know the Rams are going to face a lot of guys on the Texans who may be starting just because the Texans are looking for guys to step up and be good. Um, and right now that's just where Houston is at. You know, they're in a rebuild situation as the Rams have been in recent years, not too long ago. And so they're just looking for some of those good players. I'm curious, JB on your thoughts. We've talked about how the Rams have a target on their back. The, the Texans have no targets on their backs. They're, shooting i guess and you've got sort of a number of teams that will be in the conversation for the number one pick next year which is going to be a very valuable number one pick i mean you've got several quarterback prospects already being considered for the top selection like bryce young and cj stroud you've got will anderson alabama maybe a miles garrett level pass rusher um, the number one pick is going to be in the conversation for a number of teams going into the year. You've got Houston. You've got probably the Seahawks after trading Russell Wilson and, you know, having a quarterback competition between two guys who maybe were not that close to being in the league. And you've got, I think, the Falcons, um, just based on uh, they're also going through a lot of a rebuild and everything right now. And then, you know, some usual suspects always out there. Uh, I personally like the Jets, but I'm sure the Jets would be one team that people would consider. you got the Lions. You've got the Giants, of course. Uh, who do you think will be picking number one next year? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Davis Mills. I, maybe it's just because the bar was set lower for him last year that, you know, he made a bit. He might have been the second best rookie quarterback in the class last year. Maybe just because maybe expectations were lower and he really cleared that bar. But I think he's probably too good for the Texans being that conversation for the number one overall pick. Um, it's it's probably not going to be the Lions either who are up in that you know, that conversation a year ago. Uh, I think that you know, the Jaguars could be right back in it. Um, I think the Bears probably are the most likely team at this point just because they didn't even give a Justin Fields a chance oh, yeah. to succeed. 
Uh, he doesn't have weapons. Their offensive line is still awful. And the defense is, you know, they hired a defensive coach, but that's kind of being piecemealed together at this point. So I think the Bears are the the odds-on favorites, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That was uh, another team that I overlooked. Definitely the Lions are better than the Bears. I mean, if the Lions aren't better than the Bears, I don't know anything. And that's not even having an advantage at quarterback. So, you know, it's uh, that's how many problems the Bears have. And the Bears, they'll be playing the first game of the second preseason week. It'll actually be Bears versus the Seahawks. So, you know, a couple of teams that, you know, could be struggling. Obviously, Eddie, there will be teams that surprise. Like I said, I think the Jets could surprise people. And, you know, there's just a number of teams out there like last year's Bengals. You know, you never know. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, one player on the Texans that's not too bad is Jonathan Greenard. You wrote about him and said that he would be a great fit for the Rams. So last minute thoughts there on Jonathan Greenard. Uh, what would you um, sort of, how would you sort of compare Greenard to other players around the league and maybe how he might fit in for the Rams if he was actually slotted in there? Yeah, of course. I think the first thing you got to mention is the caveat of him having a very small sample size of production so far in the NFL. He was a former third round pick, you know, not necessarily a top build talent, pretty much had a red shirt year as a rookie, then comes into his second year due to injuries, due to a bout with COVID. Uh, he only played effectively 11 games, but recorded eight sacks and really an analytics type darling where, you know, after you, if you strip out the pass rush opportunities where there was play action or there were designed rollouts where the quarterback's getting rid of the ball insanely fast, uh, he was you know, a top 15 pass rusher in the NFL in terms of pass rush win rate a year ago. I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Usually your edge rushers are blue chip, you know, elite level athletes. He might not be in that category, but he's a technician. If you put him someone with someone like Aaron Donald, who's going to eat up all these double and sometimes triple teams, and you look at what Von Miller did, he was one of the least double teamed edge rushers in the NFL during his time with the Rams last year. If you let Jonathan Grinnard be one-on-one, on a team like the Rams, he's going to eat all day and he's going to he's going to be a force on the edge and really pressure quarterbacks. And that's what you want. And I think it'd be a match made in heaven. I guess maybe the downside of his writing about it and putting it out there maybe makes it less likely to happen in the grand scheme of things. That'd be really unfortunate, but uh, he'd be a perfect fit for the Rams. The Texans are probably going to be really bad this year. You know, he's only under contract for two more years. Grenard is uh, maybe, you, you know, that if Davis Mills is too good and they're not in the conversation, number one overall pick, and they feel they need to accumulate draft capital to move up for that guy next year. You know, maybe they're willing to, you know, trade off Grenard for some of that draft capital. And, you know, you compare him next to Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, that'd be really exciting. And you'd have one of the best pastors in the NFL, I believe. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, it's a big question headed into the season for the Rams. Um, what are the, you know, big questions for you? What are like, let's just say, the top two big questions as we, you know, go into the second preseason game, anything that you would even maybe be looking for in this game, maybe if there's a question of depth at any of the positions and, and wanting to see if there's a good player here or there that can step up or things in terms of success in on the offense or defense and an aspect of success. Yeah. What are like two of the biggest questions that you think for the Rams going into the season? Yeah, I wasn't too concerned with the running back position heading into camp. I really thought out of Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers, one of those two could emerge as that lead back. And, you know, Henderson did a good job of that at the beginning of the season last year. I think it, it took a toll on him and wore him down. You really have to, you know, lighten his load and not really feature him. But, you know, now they're both dealing with those soft tissue injuries. They're both not practicing. And they'll probably be back by the regular season. But really, like these are the these things just pop up all the time for both of them you know, these nagging injuries and they, like, all, all the running backs on the Rams roster almost have a long history of injuries. So uh, maybe we I don't even know if we see Jake Funk this weekend. I don't know if we see Kyron Williams who broke his foot in offseason team activities. You know, he's still kind of rehabbing his way back. Maybe it's the AJ Rose show. I don't know, but I would definitely like to see something out of Jake Funk. I thought he looked good a week ago. He caught a 10 yard screen pass, really was physical after the catch and, you know, created some yardage. We have no idea what Kyron Williams will be, maybe a high-volume pass catcher if we had to guess. But uh, I do have concerns at, the, at you know running back, and you really want to take the load off Matthew Stafford because if you put all that weight on his shoulders, 
you know, maybe he puts the ball in harm's way a little bit more often. And, you know, that's a recipe to not end up where you want to be at the end of the season. I was uh, thinking about my last minute thought before the show. And I guess it's a, it's a kind of a last minute thought for a guy who's not going to be playing on Friday. And it's Jacob Harris. You know, this is a fourth round pick in 2021, a guy that a lot of fans and football fans alike, you know, you don't even just have to be a Rams fan, football fans like interesting stories and a former soccer player, a late bloomer uh, into the football sport, you know, didn't really get going until after playing soccer in college and then just had this extreme amount of athleticism and plays some receiver at UCF and goes into the draft and then has this incredible pro day and these numbers that you just don't see. So that's something that Les Need loves. You know, he loves these ridiculous athletes, and he knows that Sean McVay and the Rams coaching staff can be patient for years in developing these players and waiting for their time to break out. This year, maybe it's Greg Gaines, and, and you know, David Long is getting his chance in year four, and you just never know. You know, Brian Allen last year, obviously, we've got Coleman Shelton. And so you can think of a guy like Jacob Harrison and say, wow, Great opportunity. Take him in the fourth round, move him to tight end, and just put him with the best tight end coaching staff in the league behind someone like Tyler Higby. Give him some time. But in the last month, we've seen the Rams say, no, we're actually not going to have him at tight end. We're going to move him back to receiver. So you've used a year of development on teaching him a position that you're now going to go ahead and nix and say, we're forgetting that position. You put him at a position like outside receiver where he's just going to be so long and lanky and he doesn't have that much experience and he's playing behind guys on this roster who it seems like he has such a long way to go to catch up to any of them. And you've also got other guys like Lance McCutcheon who kind of do, do a similar thing and are experienced at it and doing better so a lot of people are going to be watching lance mccutcheon on friday and in the next preseason game seeing whether or not he could have a future as a receiver in the nfl you know and he is an undrafted free agent rookie so you go okay the, now you can like believe because to me if he was a year three guy or you're even a year two guy i'd have some skepticism some doubt because you know it's just like so hard to really slip past you know all these teams and all the, the time and money spent and so it does happen and you know sometimes good players get by but i would say you, you know maybe there is a reason to believe in lance mccutcheon and if you're looking at if you're jacob harris and you're also injured and you're not playing and it's your second year you know i know that sean mcveigh hates to give up on fourth round picks and and this coaching staff and the team and Anybody that goes higher than, you know, round seven, even, uh, you know, if you get drafted, you know, they want to give you time. But I don't know if Jacob Harris is really going to make this roster missing all this time. What are your thoughts on Jacob Harris? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And something that works in Lance McCutcheon's favor that maybe is a slight to Jacob Harris is he's going to be working with John Wolford in tomorrow night's game, Friday night's game. And, you know, it might be unrealistic to expect McCutcheon to go off for another 80 yards, two touchdown type performance. But I think, you know, Wolford's going to give him a lot better opportunities than Perkins, maybe to hit him in stride, create those run after catch opportunities, just because, you know, Perkins sometimes if his first read isn't open, he's going to take off and run. And, you know, Wolford's going to sit in that pocket and he's going to give McCutcheon opportunities for those contested catches. And if he keeps making them, you know, Jacob Harris, he has the frame to make those contested catches. He has the size, but you know, he plays a little bit smaller than his size. And we've seen him, you know, reports of training camp that he's spending a lot of time on the jug machines, which probably means he's been dropping a lot of passes in practice. And, you know, if he, if he's dropping passes, if he's not playing up to his frame, then yeah. I mean, at least on offense, McCutcheon probably has the advantage. I will say, you know, Jacob Harris is a good special teams player and that really works out in his favor. Whenever you're thinking about him, you know, gunning on punts and kickoffs, He's matched up against these smaller corners or, you know, backup wide receivers. And he's always going to have the size advantage there. He's an elite athlete. He's probably faster than those guys, too. And, you know, he could be an important piece in that regard. But is that really worth the roster spot whenever we're talking about, you know, how hot these competitions are in camp and practices? And, uh, you know, you might not even have a special team spot for someone like Brandon Powell. I think he's probably safe. But, you know, if you already have a kicker, a punter, 
a long snapper and a kick returner, can you really have a special teams role player too? I mean, that's kind of a, you know, more of a luxury than a need. Yeah. And I know that uh, Sean McVay, he was saying some nice things about Ben Skowernick this week. And it just seems uh, like as far as like guys who can catch the ball for Matthew Stafford, not lacking, you know, not lacking for the receiver position as is. So kind of interesting, you know, and, and that's always the position that we really watch the most in the preseason because quarterbacks teams don't want to risk most of them. So you're, you're getting kind of not the best quarterback play. You're lucky to get a, a Kenny Pickett. You're lucky to get a Malik Willis. You're lucky to get somebody who at least is going to play in the preseason and maybe be interesting. Those are rare, but they happen sometimes. And then running backs, you know, obviously they're the least risk, you know, you don't want to put you, they're the ones you want to risk the least. And so you, you, you definitely are just never playing the good running backs and, you know, uh, so receiver, as far as like watching football and wanting to see people do cool things, like people do cool things with the ball in their hands. So you can't really see the quarterbacks, can't see the running backs. So what do you got left with the receivers? Cause there's like a million of them and everybody in the, who makes it to the NFL, a lot of them can all do cool catches, but there's so many more things that go into football. And that's why a lot of these guys don't make teams or at least become starters. And so, you know, the Rams, they know that they've got their guys in Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson um, and potentially now Tutu Atwell. The fact that Tutu Atwell out there, you know, it's kind of, again, highlights how you know, these guys, it's it's so rare that any guy really makes it as a late round pick or an undrafted free agent. And so a lot of the guys you see in preseason, I mean, it's just it's not just that they're less. It's not just like, oh, they're less talented or the, this, that and the other thing. There's a little bit of talent involved here. But sometimes it's just opportunity. And, you know, if you're not getting those reps with the starters, it's hard to move into the role to those roles because, you know, guys don't really it, teams want to give those first round picks and their second round picks those opportunities as much as possible. And so to get moved up and you know, it's so, so difficult to do. Even a guy like Cooper Cup is a third round pick. You know, it, it was easier for him to move up and be a starter right out right away than maybe if he had been a seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent. So these guys that are out there playing um, are playing for like such a, just that opportunity to say that they're in the NFL and, you know, to be on a practice squad. Uh, any uh, of the position battles there at cornerback are going to be also um very interesting to watch because especially for the Rams, you know, they've got maybe their, you know, a couple of their most interesting rookies there at cornerback, a few of them. And it's going to be those guys versus the wide receivers and versus some of those talented guys. Do you feel like there's a leader in the Jacoby Durant versus Darian Kendrick uh, sort of conversation right now, as far as maybe the guy that's uh, done a little bit more? No. And I don't think there needs to be, I think they're, they're different enough players that, you know, maybe Jacoby Durant plays in the slot or situationally. And then you have Darion Kendrick, a uh, little bit bigger frame, and he's going to be playing outside mostly. So, you know, something happens to Troy Hill or David Long Jr. need a guy inside. I think Durant's your guy. But if, uh, you know, if we see someone on the outside go down, he, I think that's a time to slot in uh, Darion Kendrick. And by the sounds of it, we might see Kendrick sooner than later. I know Robert Rochelle is a guy I haven't mentioned either, but um, you know, the Rams are in good hands. They have, you know, five, six great corners, it seems, or really promising on the upward swing type corners. And that's a good problem to have. I think most teams in the NFL uh, aren't in that same boat. So they would they would love to be in the Rams shoes for sure. We are uh, getting through this preseason um, day by day and just getting, we got five more cuts next week. Do you think we'll see a lot of uh, maybe like the guys who are the next five cut? Do you think maybe there'll be guys we we see and, and Sean McVay wants to play those guys and give them an opportunity? Or do you think that they would be guys that are still so far down the depth chart that maybe they'll get some snaps in the fourth quarter, but not much? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question, especially on the edge, the edge to rusher you know, area and the defensive line where, you know, Daniel Hardy, we, we really thought he was, you know, probably slotted in at towards the end of the 53 at that edge rusher spot. But then you also have Benton Whitley who looked good, you know, last week against the chargers, 
Kier Thomas was the, the highest graded pass rusher on the edge. And you, know, you have a guy like Michael Hoyt in a, in a really important uh, special teams player. He also is a more of an interior defensive lineman, but I thought he was really stout both against the run and pass game last week. So it's going to be interesting to see those guys shake out and see if there's a pecking order established, but yeah, they're going to get a lot of run and they're going to see a lot of them. And hopefully someone flashes and stands out because that could be the difference at the end of the day of who makes the regular season roster and who doesn't. Rams bills. Who's going to win? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I think they're the bills defense has some questions right now. It sounds like Kyer Elam, their first round, you know, corner is being outplayed by a six round pick in training camp. So uh, that's not really something you want against Allen Robinson, Cooper cup and Matthew Stafford. So maybe the Rams have the advantage right now, but we still have the better part of three weeks. A lot can change. (laughs) Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely, I know that, you know, we're going to think it's, it's uh, the Rams are at home, obviously that they've, they're, they're coming off the high, high of the the super bowl and, and they got all the pieces in place. Um, interesting game, you know, a couple years ago, Rams bills and with Jared Goff in that game and the comeback and everything, uh, that real opportunity to win, uh, that contest, even before having Matthew Stafford and, and Allen Robinson and, and, you know, so these, what do you, uh, most remember from the way the play, the Rams played that day? Do you think there's anything that involved with how the Rams played that day in 2020, even though it was, it was only two years ago, it feels like there's been so many changes. You got Raheem Morris versus Brandon Staley. You've got Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff. You've got different, you know, no Robert Woods and, and, you know, all these kinds of little changes, Andrew Whitworth, um, Rams bills then versus Rams bills. Now, do you think there's any similarities that could cost the Rams that game? Yeah, that was a great game. It doesn't really, it didn't really feel like it at the time, but almost just as good as the Rams chiefs game on that Monday night, you know, and one thing that stands out to me is Aaron Donald, and you can say this about him almost every week, right? He was an absolute game wrecker. He was throwing around Josh Allen like a ragdoll, caused multiple turnovers, and that was the driving force behind why the Rams got back into that game. And also on the offensive side, Sean McVay, it was a rare tendency for him at the time. He really hasn't made much improvement in that regard now, but he stayed committed to the running game. And you know, Daryl Henderson, you know, got back, got him back into it, and they were able to stay balanced, and you know. I think it was a was a defensive pass interference or, you know, illegal contact penalty on Darius Williams that uh, allowed the Bills to win that game. But really, it was a 50-50 type play, maybe a ticky-tack call, and the Rams were in it for sure to win. And it was a lot of, was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we get something like that on September 8th, uh, you know, historical type game that we remember for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah that would be nice uh hopefully the the rams and the texans backups give us the most the greatest game we've ever seen in our lives uh on friday uh because hey you never know how many more days of your life you got but you got rams bills obviously so excited i mean i mean I, i'm excited to see the bills you know i'm excited to see some of these teams come out here this season like the Bengals and the bills and how the chiefs respond without tyree kill and you know, uh, is there actual anything to the, all the hype people are giving over the Raiders just because they got one player and one coach who everybody hated, you know, up until, I mean, does, doesn't everyone still hate Josh McDaniel? I feel like, so I, I don't know exactly where all the, uh, the love for the Raiders is, is coming from. Although I know we've talked about the Raiders and, and, and Derek Carr before. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe that's the thing is like, they're kind of mysterious, you know? So I'm, ex- I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see what they do. And I'm interested to see, you know, which receivers step up for the Packers and why Tom Brady gets to now just go in and out as he pleases. And will he do that during the season, you know, with the bucks, everything going on. Um, speaking of some of these other teams and these other situations and good, bad, the other things, how do you, let's go quickly over the NFC West. I mentioned the Seahawks. Uh, it seems like, you know, I've learned some stuff here just now about you and following the bills camp. So maybe you're, you're a little bit tuned in a little bit to camps around the NFC West JB. So, Let's talk a little bit about where the Rams stand, maybe the NFC West standings. Uh, Seahawks, they'll be playing on Thursday night. As I said, Drew, uh, Drew Locke versus Geno Smith at quarterback. Um, you know, just a lot of transitions and wasn't the strongest all-around team last year as is. So where are you at on the Seahawks? Yeah, I said this about the Broncos last year, but when you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater, 
and Geno Smith, who have this at this point in their career, they've established themselves as, you know, no better than a backup and, you know, mediocre backups at that. You know, they're not going to push the ball down the field. There's not a lot of upside you're going to get out of playing them. You got to ride Drew Locke. And, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs, but uh, he's going to give you your big time throws too. And, you know, some mind boggling mistakes maybe at times. But if you can unlock those, you know, high end plays and minimize and put them in situations to succeed so you don't see the, the bad as much or, you know, less frequently, I think at least you know you have a shot at having, you know, maybe someone that's worth investing in for the future. But I definitely think he has all the talent in the world. There might be something between his ears that prevents him from taking the next step and being, you know, an NFL quarterback, but he definitely has all the talent and he has the ability to succeed. I'd like to see the Seahawks lead into that. Don't you're it's a wasted season if you go into the, you know, you're playing games that have meaning and they count with Geno Smith. Just <laughs> embrace embrace Drew Locke. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. I think uh there's there, you know, just because Geno Smith may be in you know, three weeks away from starting. I mean, this is a backup quarterback as clear of a backup quarterback as we've ever had on the verge of starting in the NFL eight, seven, eight years as a backup already lost quarterback. You know, if you haven't even no other team in the NFL was saying Geno Smith come compete to start, you know, he only happened to be in a situation where he was so familiar with the team as a three-year backup that when the the starter was gone, well, give him a shot because the Seahawks aren't trying to get a franchise quarterback this year. Drew Locke, maybe one or two teams would have given him a chance to compete to start. Um, and those teams have, you know, they could have been the Panthers or something like that. It's it's a pretty low situation. But, yeah, just give the guy who's 26 or whatever a, a chance, I guess, because uh, you might as well. The Arizona Cardinals, uh, they have Kyler Murray and they've got no DeAndre Hopkins for the six first six weeks of the season. And there's so many little uh, just sort of like you'd think that the, the talent is there, but they always seem to be the Cardinals. So do you think this will be a the version of the Cardinals that? you know, went started seven and oh and, and challenged the Rams really for the NFC West crown, like early and midway into the season and beat the Rams. And, you know, or do you think we'll see the uh, version of the Cardinals that always seems to shit the bed? Yeah. The defense, the personnel decisions on the defensive side of the ball are just head scratching. And it goes back to all the way back to drafting Isaiah Simmons. And, you know, he, he was probably a linebacker safety hybrid, and he hasn't really found a spot on the defense in where they're going to play him most of the time. We you know with his size and athleticism, he could be a big problem for teams. But then you draft another middle linebacker in Collins, you know, a year ago. You have effective pass rushers like Chandler Jones and Hassan Reddick that you instead make a splash play, a splash signing at JJ Watt. And he's so expensive that you can't keep the other two. You know, where's this pass rush going to come from? And how do you fit all these guys, you know, into a defense that's going to be productive? I don't know. But if you give them the benefit of the doubt, ever since Cliff Kingsbury's a lot arrived and, you know, they drafted Kyler Murray, they've really had steady improvement every year. So if you take out the fact that, you know, they have these second half of the season collapses and you just purely look at their win numbers and what they've accomplished, you know, they're an ascending team. And, you know, last season was their first time in the playoffs. Quarterbacks usually lose their first game in the playoffs, you know, the first start. Um, you know, maybe there's some force in the world out there that's going to drive them and they're going to take another step forward this year. I don't really see it but that's really the path that they're on. And, you know, but these second half collapses are really hard to watch. I, I don't know if there's any explanation for that yet. Hopefully the Cardinals have figured that out. Yeah, that's really, it's been really strange and consistent. So yeah, see if the uh, Cardinals, cause they've got players who went at the time of the draft or, you know, someone like Marquise Brown, I've always said with a lot of these players, like, Oh, that'd be cool if they were good at football. I like watching good football players. I would like to see, good football players but even getting good football players the collection it just always seems to fall apart and not result in wins for the Arizona Cardinals even a guy like Kyler Murray who we know you know was one of the most accomplished high school quarterbacks one of the most accomplished college quarterbacks the number one pick in the draft one of the more exciting players in the first half of last season but also comes with this baggage that I would just 
best wrap up in the word immaturity. So it kind of all just sort of falls into that. Where are the Cardinals going to go? Maybe they'll just go as far as Kyler Murray's growth and maturity uh, as a person this season. So that is the Arizona Cardinals. And then you've got the 49ers and the questions about how good Trey Lance is. And I just don't know that I really care what anyone has to say about Trey Lance anymore because there is a, there are campaigns to make every quarterback in the NFL sound like he's going to be great, but you just can't do it. You know, you just cannot believe that every quarterback, you know, cause it's just, you can cherry pick this play, this attribute, this skill. And a lot of it is just based on, I think media members or fans or what have you wanting to be like, Oh, I found the next great player. Oh, I know how great this player is, except, you know, being a quarterback takes a lot more than athleticism and even having a strong arm, you know, there's so much that goes into it. And so it sounds like Trey Lance in training camp, At the end of the day, when I hear inconsistent or I hear uneven and I hear there's great and there's bad, I really just hear bad because, you know, if he had just gone out there and been, you know, steadily good and avoided some of the the bad, you know, but it sounds like even now in training camp up still after in his second training camp passes that aren't even close to being completed And it's not that surprising for a guy who had something like 600 attempts in high school and college combined. So uh, where are you at with Trey Lance? And and yeah, what's your take on Trey Lance? Because there's, it's just like across the board if you go online. Yeah. And I think, you know, the media might have, you know, they want to cover a winning team and you just were covering a team that went to the NFC championship last year. You don't want to see them fade off into relevancy and you want to see Lance, you know, keep him in contention. But, you know, you can be inconsistent and you can really put it together. You still have three weeks to the start of the regular season. seems like he's developed chemistry with Brandon Ayuk. Um, Maybe if you're pushing the ball down the field, that's an element of the offense they didn't have last year. Uh, To me, the big concern with the 49ers is their secondary. They're so – they have – like, they're really short on bodies. You know, they're trying to sign corners. They're cutting guys that, you know, were expected to be an important part of that unit, Um, like Dequez Denard. And then, you know, Jimmy Ward's in jeopardy of missing the start of the regular season, too. So uh, that could be a big, big problem for the 49ers, especially, you know, aside from Nick Bosa, they might not have a ton of pass rushing ability. So, you know, you know those things work in tandem. And if, you, if you're if you able to get the ball out quick, you can really mitigate the effectiveness of that pass rush. And, you know, that defense could be in trouble quick. Yeah, and from what I remember in the start of camp, I remember it was 49ers. Oh, man, the secondary is starring. The secondary is starring, you know, looking so good. And, you know, that's one of the, the issues with early training camp reports, you know, is uh, it's not exactly totally real football. And then also injuries happen. And then also players get hot and then cold. And, you know, what the 49ers can feel good about, I'm sure, is I think Traverius Ward there, you know, they went out there and they signed one of the top free agents. And, you know, I think they can feel confident with maybe being better at that one spot, maybe. But then at the end of the day, there's also uh, so many other secondary players, as you mentioned, and, and there's injuries and there's guys that they cut and there's guys that, but the, what there's not been like a huge investment. So then if you look at, the Rams and the price to pay two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey and make him the highest paid, you know, defensive back at the time, not exactly feeling like a high price to play price to pay when, you know, we've got, you've got the best cornerback in the NFL and you, and you can feel secure that everything else will uh, sort of just flow off of that. So that's interesting to hear about the secondary. And then, yeah, with Trey Lance also, it's not even like I'm, you know, and I want to, clarify i don't even necessarily think trey lance will be bad and i don't necessarily think the 49ers offense is in trouble because as you mentioned brandon Ayuk is there and he's been having a great camp and debo samuel is is debo samuel and and i would assume that he's going to still be an impactful player and uh, george kittle is stored jill george kittle and trent williams in the offensive line and uh elijah mitchell and and Kyle Shanahan. And and I think with Kyle Shanahan, one of the reasons that you feel confident 
of going out and getting a guy like Trey Lance who's inexperienced is because you already know you can go to the NFC Championship with Jimmy Garoppolo. How could you not design an offense for Trey Lance to get back to the NFC Championship? So not necessarily going to be bad. I do do think that like like in case of Jared Goff or in cases of Colin Kaepernick just going to another 49ers quarterback, you can be successful with quarterbacks who aren't necessarily going to be successful for a very long time. And with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and all these guys, there can be system quarterbacks. You know, even an athletic guy can be a system quarterback. It's funny how uh, Mac Jones was called like, you know, sort of a system quarterback in the draft. But Trey Lance wasn't seen or, you know, it's like anybody could be a system quarterback. And so we'll see whether and I think that this would be the year that Trey Lance is more of a system quarterback because obviously he's still trying to learn how to play quarterback. And I don't necessarily think he'll be bad, but he could be. He could be really bad. Uh, and that's something that we'll find out. Um, well, I had it up a second ago. When will we find that out? Uh, week four, Monday night football and uh, week eight, October 30th. Uh, those are the two games against the 49ers. And I still think the Rams are the best team in the NFC West. I think they will still be in the hunt for the Super Bowl. I haven't really come to think of any teams, you know, all off season long. My thoughts on the NFC were, pretty weak conference relatively speaking to past years and to the AFC got a lot of talent go that way. And so I think for teams like the Rams that aren't weak, great opportunity to get the number one seed. I think Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't count him out ever. I wouldn't count Tom Brady out, but a lot of these other teams just don't seem to have all the pieces and components in place. In addition to the quarterback, so it's harder to fear teams with Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz and Marcus Mariota and Jared Goff and, you know, Kirk Cousins is okay and Justin Fields and the list goes on and on. Geno Smith, uh, Baker Mayfield, it's kind of a and Jameis Winston. So um, what are your thoughts as we wrap this up, like our last minute thoughts here on the NFC as a whole? Cause my read is maybe there's like three good teams. Yeah. I'd maybe throw the Minnesota Vikings in there too, uh, just because they have the receiving talent. Kirk cousins, I understand he's kind of a meme and he, we say he can't get it done the big game and that he melts in prime time, but he's really, he's really quietly improved the last couple of seasons. And he's worked towards, I think maybe this is the best version of him. And you have someone like Dalvin Cook who can take a little bit of pressure off his shoulders. Uh, I think that offense could be, you know, you know, sneakily good. I think that's it's always a hot take when you throw that term in there, right? But uh, the defense, they can get after you. They have a lot of pass rushing ability, you know, with Daniil Hunter and, you know, Zadaria Smith from the crosstown rival, you know, Green Bay Packers, right? So, you know, you make your division rival weaker and you, you know, you reinforce your pass rush at the same time. If there's a Achilles heel of that team, it's probably in the secondary, but they've invested a lot of draft capital to try to get better there. And uh, it's a little bit of a lottery. You know, you're throwing darts, but, you know, it could all come together. You never know. Yeah. Do you have no, any other teams absolutely. you like throwing there? Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I would. What about a surprise? Let's throw in maybe like a surprise team and then we'll get out of here. I guess for me, like I, I mentioned, an AFC team, I guess in the NFC, I mean, it's not that uh, it's so hard to pick them to be, you know, it's really hard for me to say, you know, because I don't even think the Saints would be a surprise team. They seem so talented everywhere else. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily consider the Saints a surprise team, but I would just be shocked. Not sure. Not, I like everything the Lions are doing. I like everything that Brad Holmes has done. I, I would be kind of just shocked in a way to see the Lions make the playoffs as we all would. Um, just the idea of those, you know, the Lions in the blue uniforms playing in the playoffs is just such a rarely seen sight. And at the same time, I think, you know, 
Panay Sewell is the real deal and they've got a good, great off. You know, they could have a great offensive line and the weapons are getting better around Jared Goff and Deandre Swift could really challenge to be the NFL's best running back this season. And there's better pieces in on defense than there have been on the past. And I just love all their draft picks. And I don't know if Jamison Williams will make a return this year and be impactful, but he was my favorite receiver in the draft. So, you know, I think for a real surprise team, I'm going to go maybe with the Lions. What about you? Yeah, and Jared Goff, by all accounts, is you know killing it in Lions camp. So they might make you look pretty smart here in a little bit, Ken. So it'd be pretty exciting. And I think you know another much maligned quarterback like Jared Goff is you know Tua in Miami, and I really think he could put it all together this year. He has all the weapons, and we can't we can't forget how bad the offensive line was a year ago. He had absolutely no shot to be successful, um, but he's he's getting a better offensive scheme. He's getting all these playmakers around him. Mike Gesicki, he's basically wide receiver, but he's a, an effective pass catching tight end. So maybe you push the ball down the field with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and uh, you know Gesicki's wide open all day underneath. So I think I could just see it working. In Tua, he's a very accurate quarterback. I think he's probably even better than Jimmy Garoppolo was for the 49ers. So and he's even a little bit better athletic, uh, more athletic than Garoppolo. So I could see it all come together. And you know you're keeping consistency on the other side of the football on defense, and um, you know. Aside from the Bills, that division is probably pretty wide open, and you know you could squeeze out a wild card spot maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that there will be a surprise team uh, for the AFC, one of the AFC wild card spots. I think that'll be a good place for someone like the Jets or the Dolphins. I mean, yeah, I mean it's interesting to me, like Mike McDaniel, the way that he talks, the way that he is just seems way too normal to be an NFL head coach just seems too much of like a regular guy to, to even like a, a, a guy like Sean McVay, you know, who I think is like not an abnormal person, but uh, you know, like a lot of head coaches are, it's just that he's so like, so smart. He's like, so put together. He seems like so quick and so, you know, prepared and everything like that the way he does his press conferences even mike mcdaniel somehow does it in a way that's like very relaxed and normal and chill and uh it's kind of interesting to hear him added to the head coach mix so with in addition to how much success he's had as an assistant with the 49ers and going in there with all the weapons around Tua, it'll be interesting to watch miami this year That's it for an interesting podcast to listen to this year. It's the Turf Show Times podcast. This is the last-minute thoughts edition that comes out before a game to give the last-minute thoughts. So Rams, Texans on Friday night. Go to turfshowtimes.com where you can read articles by J.B. Scott and me and plenty of great writers on the staff this season at Turf Show Times. And please hit subscribe on that show. And uh, that's it for this episode of Turf Show Times. Come back after for an instant reaction.